Good morning, my friends. Good to be back with you in case we haven't met. I was uh, here a couple of weeks back in March, uh, and I've been here a number of other times for various uh, presbytery duties. And by the way, I, uh, I bring you greetings on behalf of the Presbytery of the Harvest. Although I don't officially represent them, I wanted to make sure that you know that they are with you, that the Presbytery is praying for you, and will be supporting you during this transitional period in every way possible. And I'll be doing that too. I'm going to be here today and over the next three weeks uh, after today. And I love coming here. You know what? I love coming here. And I was back here in March. One of the things that we, I, Bonnie and I talked about on our way. By the way, Bonnie, my wife, is down here. The best part of me, the, the, not just the better half, the best half, without, uh, without any doubt. We would talk on the way home, and I said, you know what? There are some places I go and I preach or I lead a retreat or something like that, and I'm exhausted when I'm done. But I come here and I'm refreshed. I'm blessed. And so it is not a, a trouble for me to uh, come and preach to you. It's trouble for me to get up at 4.45 in the morning <laughs> and then drive through rain and fog to get here, but it is, uh, it is wonderful to be with you today. I want to ask you to pray with me as we approach God's Word, and then I want to share uh, this message uh, with you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. Your Word, we remember, is a light to our feet. It is a lamp to our path. It shows us not only where we are, but where we need to be. And it prepares us for where we are to go. And in troubled times, O oh Lord, sometimes the most comfortable thing we could think we can, should do is just stay here for just a minute, just a minute. Let us rest, let us rest, O oh Lord, and yet you still beckon us on. And you beckon us on today through your word. I pray, O oh Lord, that, that everything I say today will glorify you and encourage the people of God. And I pray that everything you speak to people through your Holy Spirit will bring joy, satisfaction, and hope to their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Old Testament from the book of Joshua, the first chapter. In fact, it's the entire first chapter of Joshua. And let me just quickly set the stage for you. Uh, you all know that the first five books of the Bible are called the book of, books of, uh, uh, of Moses. They are the Pentateuch, the five. And at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses dies. Moses dies. God takes him up to a mountain so he can see the promised land, but he doesn't get to go there because on one very significant occasion, he disobeyed God. And so God said, you know, I'm going to let you see it, but then I'm going to gather you to myself. And so that is the atmosphere in which we find them. We find the people of God there on the edge of Jordan, but still in the desert. We find them in a state of grief. Anybody feeling a little bit grieved? A lot, maybe? Don't just grieve. See, we don't just grieve for our loved ones and our friends that are, that are going through difficulties or that we uh, lose to death, even though they gain heaven. We also grieve over other things. 
It's part of our natural response. But we are told by the Apostle Paul, we are to grieve as people. It's okay to grieve, but we are not to grieve as those who have no hope. And the people of Israel were grieving. They're grieving the loss of Moses. He had been their leader, their connection with God for 40 years. 40 years. I just turned 65 this last summer. 40 years, I've discovered, is a long time. 40 years. My wife and I have been married for 41 plus. Going to keep going that way, getting in a good direction. But 40 years is a long time. And suddenly, they are without Moses. They are without the one that they have depended on and relied upon and looked to, even though they did not always perfectly listen to what he said or obeyed him, just like he didn't perfectly always listen to God and obey God. And this is where we pick up the story. We pick up the story with God coming to speak to Joshua in a similar way that he spoke with Moses. Joshua is not just Moses' hand-picked new leader, it is God's. He is God's hand-picked new leader. And here's where we pick up the story. If you got your Bible with you, I hope you'll read along with me in whatever translation you have. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give, give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all, all of the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do, do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on, on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. 
You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded, we will do. And whatever you, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, not really. So we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the end of God's reading, the reading of God's word, but not our understanding it. May the Holy Spirit speak to us clearly that we might know his will and his way in these and all things. Amen. Well, there they are, out in the middle of nowhere, in the greatest crisis of this nation's history, this nation that God had already formed in his heart, and this nation that God had now formed all out of these disparate and disobedient people. After 40 years of wandering through the desert, after being miraculously released from slavery in Egypt, they finally come to where they can see the promised land, where they're ready to go over to take possession of what God has given to them as an inheritance, simply because He loves them and simply because He cares them, cares for them. But they are in trouble emotionally, physically. They don't feel right. They don't feel good. After all, they don't have their leader with them anymore. For 40 years, Moses has led them. For 40 years, he has represented them to God, and they have heard from God through Moses. Now they have Caleb, a popular kind of guy and a really good fighter, but he's no Moses. They feel that they are in trouble. And so I suspect that they wonder, what's next? Ever been anywhere like that in your life? What's next? Where's God going to take me next? Where's going to God take my family? Where's God going to take my business? Where's God going to take my church? Where's God going to take me? We're going to learn some lessons today here from our, our friend, Caleb. And we're going to learn some lessons from God's Holy Spirit that are going to help us move in a positive direction and do the right kinds of things that help us to grasp the fact that life is not over. That hope is not over. That Northminster is not done. But that, in fact, it has a glorious future ahead of it. Even as Israel had a glorious future, not necessarily an easy one, but a glorious future ahead of them. But I want to begin by coming back to a great leader and a man who knew what it meant to go through crisis. I'm a, I'm a big fan of historical 
biography. I love reading about great historical figures, particularly leaders who go through crisis and how they handled and how they led people through the crisis and what was going on in their inner lives. And one of my favorites is the British bulldog, Winston Churchill. Now, Winston Churchill was not the most popular guy. We tend to think that everybody loved Churchill, but the fact of the matter is before Churchill came to power as the prime minister, he was not well-liked in his country. He was not particularly well-liked while he was the prime minister because they were in the midst of a war, and he was not well-liked after he was done. In fact, he was pushed out of office and discarded like a piece of trash. But Churchill had it right. Churchill understood what it took, and he he wrote these words, and these are words that are kind of emblazoned in my own heart when it comes to the challenges that I have faced in life. And here's what he said. I want you to listen to them. You got your sheets of paper. If you want to write them down, this is a good thing too. He said this. He said, success is not final. You heard it right. Success is not final. Today's success might go away. Today's success doesn't mean success will come tomorrow. And failure, he said, is not fatal. Success is not final, and failure is not fatal. There will be new days. There will be new opportunities. There will be new directions to go. And then he followed that up by saying this. It is courage to continue that counts. It is courage to continue that counts. Whether you are successful and need to move forward, or whether failure seems to be visiting your home and your life, and you need to move forward from that. I think that's something Caleb knew too. Now, the first thing I want you to hear and see from this passage is that God is not afraid to tell us the startling truth, and God is not afraid to use an opportunity to force his people forward, and he sometimes does it in a startling way. When you read the pages of Scripture over and over again, when God's people are not listening to him via the ordinary means, or they are not obeying him because they've reached a place of comfort and satisfaction, God will do extraordinarily extraordinary things and he will say extraordinary things. And he begins with a statement to Caleb which was obvious to him and obvious to the rest of Israel and that is simple. Moses my servant is dead. You know those Captain Obvious commercials? Most obvious thing. Even though they didn't see him die, even though God buried him on the mountain, Moses was very clearly dead. He told them he was going to go up to the mountain to be with God and then die. He knew that. They knew that. So it seems rather a, 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 a messy overstatement of things. It's very obvious to them, but it has the startling effect, my friends, on Caleb and eventually on the rest of Israel to tell them that the past is now the past. As good as it was, or as bad as it was, or as hard as it was, or as easy as it was, as fascinating and exciting as it was, or as challenging as it was, the past is the past. This is the truth of life. 
Leaders come and go. Chapters are written and then they close and you have to move on to something else. We see it over and over again in the pages of Scripture. God doing this. God telling us this. God moving his people forward through someone else. Life must come to an end. Moses had to die sometime. And this is the time right before they are to go and possess all that it means to have a promised land. And so you may be saying right now when it comes to your life or what you are facing in your own life or when it comes to your life as a congregation, well, Moses is not dead. Your proverbial, symbolic Moses is not dead. Joss isn't here anymore. Bob isn't here anymore. We don't have pastoral leadership So what does this mean for us? Well, the fact, folks, is that whenever we go through transitions like this, we go through grief. We go through grief. We don't just go through grief when someone dies. We go through grief when there is a cataclysmic change or even a non-cataclysmic change. We go through a form of grief. And there are things that have died. There are things that are no longer available to you. That which was familiar to you, whether it is the rhythm of preaching or the rhythm of leadership or how someone led a meeting or how someone prayed, that part of your history, that part of your life is dead to all but your memory. That which was dependable to you the person or the people that you could count on. Not there right now. Who do you count on now? And believe me, I know what this is like. I'm a man of routine. Some people are really good at living life on the edge and just you know, rolling with the punches. I don't. When I get taken out of my routine, I get a little bit grumpy. And I'm In some cases, Bonnie will tell you I am understating that significantly. If I don't get my supper at 5.30, I'm grumpy. I'm not just hangry, I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy a lot. Thank you, dear. I'm also humble a lot. Humbled a lot. Okay? This morning is an example of this. Now, I'm not grumpy right now, but... The alarm clock went off at 4.45 this morning. We don't usually get up till 6. And I usually go down and I take my coffee and, and I get my cereal and I sit and I watch the news and the weather and the sports on television for two or three hours before I wake up, okay? I didn't have that chance today. I got my cereal, I put my coffee in a travel mug, I got dressed, I jumped in the car, and I drove through rain and fog to get down here, okay? I'm out of my routine, I'm out of my element, and that sort of sets me off, makes me feel uncomfortable. And it'll probably do that for the rest of today, but then I get to enter back into it again tomorrow. Maybe you're a person of routine. The people of Israel were people of routines. They knew how God spoke. They knew what Moses did. How is Caleb going to be different? How is life going to be different? They're going to find out. And 
you're going to have to start thinking about here at Northminster, how is life going to be different? How's, going to be life, how's life going to be different as a church during a transitional period like this? How is life going to be changed? What are the routines that you're, you're, you're going to miss and the new things you're going to have to get used to? The predictable things that are coming your way that used to come your way are now kind of unpredictable because I cannot stand here and tell you when you're going to have a new pastor. I can't. I can't tell you who that person is. God knows. I don't know when any of that is going to happen, but I do know this, that God already has his hand on that person, preparing that person to be your next pastor. Until then, things are going to be kind of unpredictable. Handle them. Life is unpredictable, isn't it? And the connections that you had with people, the connections that that you have, when those things are severed, those things hurt us. They make us angry. They set us off. They blind us. They're like the fog that we drove through, like Nathan drove, drove through coming here. We did not see, but I hope you heard what he said in his call to worship. Could not see what was ahead, but he knew the road was there because he'd driven it many times. That was a great start. That was a great start to our worship and the word today. God is still there. His church is still here. And you know what? Like the people of Israel, the one thing they could always absolutely count on is the mission of who they were as the people of God was still there. And you have that mission too. Having a, a mission that doesn't disappear, that doesn't change, that, that is always there. The tactics change some and the strategies change some and the people's, people will change some as people come and go as they do in life. But the mission remains the same and the mission requires our total attention. It requires your elders' attention. It requires your staff's attention. And it requires all of your attention just like it requires in the first chapter of Joshua, the attention and the energy of all the people of Israel. No one can be left out. The mission goes on. The gospel mission for you goes on. The mission that God has given you in the context of your community goes on, and it must go on with you. Please hear me with you. I cannot carry that mission out for you, and none of you can carry that mission out alone. All of you must be engaged in it. All of you must give yourselves to it. Even if you're hurting, even if you're grieving, even if you're angry, even if you're confused, give yourself to it. Do what Joshua said to the people of Israel. Do what he wanted them to do. Strike camp, pack, pack your possessions, get ready to move forward. You can't stay here. God has something wonderful planned for you, but it's going to require all of you. For the people of, of Israel, the things they could count on were like God's commandments. 
And God told Joshua that, didn't he? He said, don't depart from my commandments. Read them, know them, understand them. Keep them on your lips. Tell other people about them. Teach them. Meditate on them day and night. Don't go from the, to the right or to the left of them ever. Stay on the straight path that I have laid out for you. And those same commandments are there for you too. Do you know what else is there for you too? The same promises. For the people of Israel, that promise was you're going to go and take possession of the land that God promised Moses. Now he's promised Caleb that it's going to happen, and Caleb tells them again, it is going to happen, and it's going to happen and start happening in three days. The promises are still there. You're going to possess what is yours, he said. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. It may take all kinds of energy and generosity of spirit on your part, but... You're going to grasp it. Because God's, just like God's word does not change, God's, commit, God's promises do not change. What promises has he made to you and to me? Well, there's one right in here that he made to Caleb. I will never leave you or forsake you. Listen, God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. He's with you. He's for you. And he's going to walk with you into the future. Don't ever, ever forget that. It is God that takes the people of Israel there. And it is God that will take you into your future. Don't abandon his promises. Whatever the scriptures have told us about God and his glory and his honor and his mission, about the gospel and about the work that we are to do as we serve humanity in Jesus' name, as we call them forth to introduce them to Jesus, as we feed the hungry and we clothe the naked and we look out for those who are oppressed. None of that has changed. God is still there in the midst of it. Please, 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 don't ever forget. It's not over. It was not over for the people of Israel. It is not over for you. In fact, it's been, my, it's been my experience in my life as a husband and as a parent and as a pastor that some of the most, deep, one of the most, some of the most deeply tragic and disturbing things that I have found in my life, the things that I have experienced that I thought would ruin me would absolutely keep me from experiencing any joy again. And I'm going to talk about one of them when we come to the end of the sermon. I, I've had plenty of those things in my life, but I've discovered that while not all of my dreams come true, they all turn out better than I ever expected. Because sometimes I'm not dreaming God's dreams for me. God has something better in mind for you. Can't see it, can't grasp it, but you know it's there. The road is there. The fog of confusion and difficulty and anger and frustration and sadness and grief keeps you from seeing it clearly. But it's there. So keep going. Keep driving. And as you do so, here are some things that you can do. Here are some gifts that God has given you. Here are some actions that you can take.
that Caleb and the people of Israel model for us as we move forward. How do they get to the promised land? Well, one of the things we love to, 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 to discover and that God promises he will meet us and do for us is that be, it is simply this, be filled with the Spirit. If you go back to the last chapter of Deuteronomy, if you have your Bible, if you turn back there and you look at Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, you'll find this verse. And this is before Moses is dead and before God has spoken to Joshua about these things. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Moses transferred the power and the wisdom that he knew from God into Caleb. And he had the Holy Spirit active in him. And guess what? Now every Christian, every follower of God, every leader, every servant, every disciple has that same Holy Spirit. Open yourself up. Pray. Listen to the work of the Holy Spirit. Stay in worship and praise before God. Call out to him and, and offer, you, offer him not just your hurts and your confession that you might be restored and renewed and forgiven, but offer him your heart. God, take me where you will. Ask of me anything that you want, and you will find when we empty ourselves of the difficulties and the confusion and the problems and all the thoughts that tend to jumble up inside of us and keep us awake at night and distracted during the day, we'll begin to be replaced with a clear, luminescent vision of what God wants to do with you and through you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all you have to do is be open and aware to it. And then, do what God commanded Joshua and what the people of Israel told Joshua they wanted out of him as a leader. Be strong and courageous. That is a choice you can make, but it is also a commandment of God. You may not be able to see that in the English language, but in the language in which the Old Testament is written, that Hebrew language, this is, this is a commandment. This is as much a commandment as do not lie and do not commit adultery. God says, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. That means we have the capacity within us to do it. Northminster friends, I tell you, as you launch out into the future, as you think about life ahead, whatever God has in mind with you, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? How could you be strong and courageous? How could Caleb be strong and courageous? Because he, this is the third thing, he trusted in God. Trust in God. Caleb didn't necessarily want all those people to trust in him. Caleb was not any more perfect, a perfect leader than was Moses. He was a great warrior, and he was an energetic leader, but he was not perfect, just like Moses wasn't, and just like I'm not, and you aren't. They were not perfect, so they trusted in God. Caleb over and over again, as you read, uh, not, uh, uh, Joshua over and over again, as you read his story, and he gathers around him people who continue to write, remind him, trust in God, trust in God. That's what Caleb, for instance, does. 
Trust in God. Trust in God. Can we beat these giants? Yes, we can beat these giants. Can we take this city? Yes, we can take this city. Why? Because God has told us we can and we will. Trust in Him. Trust in Him that He has not left you behind. He has not abandoned you. He has not turned His back on you. He is pushing you forward. Trust in God. And then finally, do what the Israelites do in the coming chapters and verses. Cross over. Cross over. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I forge forward. I move forward to grasp the high calling that I have in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. Not the lessons, not the love, not the strength, not the good things, but the things that would keep us in the past. Forget those things and move forward. The people of Israel crossed the Jordan. If they had never decided to move forward without Moses, they would have been stuck forever in the desert. Think about it. Cross over. Don't be afraid of the future. Something good is there because God is there. Keep that thought, that heart, that rhythm within you. Whenever you seem to be discouraged, whenever you're confused, whenever you wonder, what are you going to do next? God's with you, and he'll push you forward. But you have to make the step. You have to pack your possessions and move forward. It's sort of like a, the refrain of one of my favorite songs from the contemporary Christian movement. And I know that's a big movement. But my contemporary Christian mo movement came from the 70s and the 80s. Okay? Now that's considered to be oldies, okay? One of my favorite groups is the second chapter of Acts. They're beautiful harmonies, and I love particularly their song, Mansion Builder. And the refrain of that song is, why should I worry? Why should I fret? Because I've got a mansion builder who ain't through with me yet. You've got a mansion builder who's not through with you yet. I want to give you a quick example of, of the power of not moving on. It's not a matter of, 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 of ignoring or forgetting, but the power of not moving on. As I told you, I'm 65 years old. I turned that back in July. I was, I, my father died 33 years ago. And I came to the realization as I came upon that anniversary of my own birth that I not only had now survived past the age that my father, who was my greatest teacher and my greatest example and my greatest encourager and disciplinarian, that I discovered that I'd lived, I've lived half of my life without my dad. And I miss him. I still miss him. 
but I have missed him so much in the intervening years and been angry with God so much in those, in those intervening years that sometimes I have ignored the joy of moving forward because I was stuck in being mad about the past, being upset with God, and being upset with his, uh, his oncologist. I mean, what a fool I was. My father could tell me this. He would t- told me this himself. Son, move on. I'm with Jesus. Move on. Go to the next thing. Go to the promised land. Close this chapter and move on. Remember my lessons. Remember my ethics. Remember all those things that are as, as, as naturally now a part of you as your very own breath. The things I taught you and the things that I, I believed and the things that, that I gave you an example for and the strength that I showed you as I was dying. Remember those things. Take strength from those things, but don't stay there. Move on. And I can tell you the last few months I have felt a burden begun to lift from me. I have become less impatient with people. I have become more joyful and more willing to sit down and listen. And I could have had that decades ago. Don't be like me when it comes to your future. Be like Caleb. Be like the people of Israel. Be like God wants them to be and cross over. Get past your past. Whatever it happens to be, individually or corporately, just get past it. Move on from it. Make the choice. Because we all need to get on to where the master is. And if we look at Jesus in the Gospels, where do we find Jesus? He's up there. He's out there in front of us. He's out there in front of his disciples saying, come and follow me. Get in line behind me. Let's go. Even if it means trouble. Even if it means difficulty. Even if it means the cross. Because beyond the cross is the crown. And beyond discouragement is hope. And beyond death is life. I'm going to be praying that you will find that that life. And that God will reveal himself to you in the coming days and weeks. Particularly, I'm going to be praying for your elders. I'm going to be praying for your session and doing everything I can as a, as a, as a retired pastor to, to help them along and, and encourage them in that direction. One of those things I can do is preach for a few weeks, and I'm glad to do it. So I want to close with prayer. And then I want to tell you after the service is over, if you want to come up afterwards. Now, weeks ahead, I'm going to start just going out there and greeting you and seeing what's left on the donut table, okay? But today, like I did back in March, I'm going to stay up here, and Bonnie will probably stay up here with me. And if you have something you want to pray about or just something you want to talk briefly about, I can't counsel everybody for a long period of time. But um, if there's something you want to come and talk about, pray about, 
I, I want to be able to do that for you today, but I want to pray for all of us right now. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, we know that you're out ahead of us. Yes, you were, you were there behind us, but you're out ahead of us, calling us, beckoning us on, reminding us that faith is not a thing that is blind. Faith is a thing that we know is true because you have proven to be faithful, not because we have proven to be wise. So call us forward. Call us past. Help us to forgive those who have hurt us. Help us, O oh Lord, to uh, to deal with the stages of grief that we're in, whatever that grief is. Help us to let go of the things that would hold us back so that we might experience the joy of moving forward. We love you and we trust you to be with us through every step. Speak to us. Make your way clear to us and honor us with your vision for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.